Hello. I'm glad to see all of you this morning. And if you're joining us online, welcome. We miss you. We love you. Blessings on you. Uh, Let's pray as we begin. Oh, Jesus, we center ourselves in your presence right now. You are in this place, and we are not aware. And so we ask that right now, in these moments, you would reveal yourself to us. Um, This is all beyond us, and so uh, we need you to come and speak resurrection life into our lives by the power of your Spirit, and then... This world desperately needs resurrection, and so we ask that you would um, speak it into us so that it gets out into the world through us. Um, Bless the reading of your word, the hearing of your word. Bless us. Come and speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we're going to be in Revelation this morning. We are still in the book of Revelation. If you came looking for that, that's what you're going to get today. You guys can go ahead and turn there. Um, And while you're doing that, a few years ago, I thought I'd just tell a story. Um, A few years ago, when I was pastoring like this really tiny, small church um, up in northwest Denver, my family was actually living in um, the church's parsonage is what we were, it's like the church that belong or the house that belongs to the church. It was an unusual situation. It was a really cool house. You can go ahead and throw it. It's this, it, that's like, there was a winter storm, if you couldn't tell. Um, the icicles are hang, hanging at like a 45 degree angle. Um, this house, um, I love it. It was amazing, Grove Street. Um, you can go ahead and throw the next slide up if you want. Um, it's collected a lot of strange features over the last 100 years. That's right. Over the last century, sections have been remodeled, the rooms have been added and kitchens and like kitchens and bedrooms alike have been like moved places in the room. Um, but probably my favorite of the um, strange features in this room or in this house was um, the basement. Um, it's one of my favorite features is in the basement. I say is present tense because I assume it's still there. It is a, in the back part in the section of the basement that remains unfinished in the back. There's um, covered in dust and cobwebs. There is a safe. Like, it's a big safe, like straight out of a Western. It's like bigger than a refrigerator. It has got like a dial lock and a, and a bar, you know, handle. And, and the church and the house have always gone together. And so I asked around to see, like, does anybody who's like older know anything about this safe? And no one could tell me anything about it. The most that I could discover was there was this um, guy who was in his 50s who was still a part of the church and he had lived there as a boy and the safe had been there when he was there, when he was a boy. And that answers nothing about this safe in the corner covered in cobwebs and dust. It's like, whose safe is this? How long has it been there? And like, best I understand about these types of safes, they're not like solid steel. Very often at, the, at this time of like, when they were making these sorts of things, there's a layer of concrete that goes in between like sections of steel. And so this thing, based on the size that it was and based on pushing on it, it may have weighed upward of like 1,500 pounds, which 
begs other questions of like what kind of impossible logistics got this thing into this bait. Like, I'm telling you, based on the entrances, there's no way you could, did the seller and the safe come first? Like, is that, is that what happened? And then they like built that, like, I'm, I'm being serious. Did they like build the house above it? I don't, and most maddening of all is, of course, the question that all of you are asking is, what was in it? That's the, you want to know, don't you? You're never going to, and neither am I, because I still have no idea. I, I, I tried like pressing my ear against the metal a couple of times and tried like turning the dot. That's a joke. You can't do that. Uh, maybe somebody could. Joy was pregnant at the time with Daphne, and so um, with our oldest. And so let's get honest. We were we were dirt poor, and we didn't have any time or energy or money or Risa, anything to like follow up on this great mystery. And so alas, the safe and whatever lies inside that safe, it was never opened. It was never cracked. I have no idea. Isn't that a good story? Yeah. No one knew what was in the safe and because nobody could open it. And believe it or not, that's actually what we find uh, in Revelation 5 this morning. It's a, it's a locked safe uh, in Revelation 5 uh, in John's vision. Last week, uh, Pastor Joe, uh, he walked us through chapter 4, Revelation 4, where John suddenly finds himself like in God's dimension of existence. God's dimension of reality is where he is. He's drawn through a door into Aranus, into heaven is what we, what we say. But a lot of times that conjures up some sort of like, like idea of like, the future or somewhere we go when we die, like it's somewhere else. But here, especially in Revelation, but in really in all of scripture, uh, Uranus, heaven is, it's more like, it's less like somewhere in the future. And it's more like you pull the curtain back. It's like going backstage stage of like the universe almost, you know, you're going backstage of all reality, finding out what's happening just behind the curtain. And, and we've already said it today, worship. Worship's what's happening behind the curtain. There's this chapter four, if you remember, there's like this sweeping scene before us. It's like there's this throne that's like crackling with power and energy and all of creation, it would seem in very strange imagery, all of creation embodied in like these four very unusual living creatures. Four meaning like, it's, it's a number that means like all of create, like north, south, east, and west. Four living creatures. Four is the way it's used in Revelation. Um, four living creatures are around this throne, along with the entirety, it would seem, of God's people <laughs> in, the, um, in a strange image of 24 elders. It's like the 12 patriarchs, the sons of Israel, and the 12 disciples of Jesus representing all of us are around the throne with all of creation, this crackling with energy throne, and somebody is up there. It just says someone is on the throne, is what it keeps saying in chapter four. At the center of the universe is someone encircled by like a rainbow, is what it says. That ancient sign in Genesis 9, that ancient sign to Noah of mercy and patience and faithfulness. It's this throne surrounded by a rainbow, four living creatures, 24 elders, and it's 
song and joy and humility. They're like casting their crowns, everything that they've got before this throne. And there's happiness and laughter. And it's like a family singing like around the piano. It's that kind of image, you know, hot cocoa and, and, and the snow falling outside. It's, it's that kind of contentment and joy and like love permeating as they sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is coming is what they sing. All things in reality, whether it's us as the 24 elders or the four living creatures, every bit of reality finds its proper orientation as we turn our hearts towards this someone on the throne. It's all wonderful. It's all beautiful. It's, it's like sublime. But now we hit a locked safe. It's infuriating. So uh, let's go ahead and stand up. We'll read chapter 5, and then, um, and then we'll keep going. Revelation chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Then I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one seated on the throne. It had writing on the front and the back, inside and outside. It was sealed with seven seals. I saw a powerful angel who proclaimed in a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break the seals? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or look inside. So I I began to weep. And weep, because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, don't weep. Look, the lion of tribe Judah, the root of David, has emerged victorious so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Then in between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as if it had been slain. It had seven horns and seven eyes, which are God's seven spirits sent out into the whole earth. He came forward and took the scroll from the right hand of the one seated on the throne. Then he took the scroll, or when he took the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell before the lamb. Each held a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. They took up a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. And by your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe, language, people, and nation. You made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will rule on earth. Then I looked and I heard the sound of many angels surrounding the throne. The circles are like getting bigger. And the, and the living creatures and the elders, they numbered in the millions, thousands upon thousands, and they said in a loud voice, worthy is the slaughtered lamb to receive power, wealth, wisdom, and might, and honor, glory, and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea, I heard everything everywhere say, blessing, honor, glory, and power belong to the one seated on the throne and to the lamb forever and always. Then the four living creatures said, amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. You can be seated. This is the word of the Lord. And all God's people said, 
Thanks. Thanks be to God. That too. All of the above. Uh, if there was ever a question that we were in the book of Revelation, if that was ever like vague or like, oh, are we? Um, uh, we definitely are now, right? This thing, uh, this week, we get things uh, that look like this. Um, you can laugh. It's horrifying, isn't it? Oh this is what we get this week in the book of Revelation. That is one freaky looking lamb. It's like it's like radioactive, like that's a Chernobyl lamb or something. Is it too soon? It's too soon. It really is. I'm sorry. Um, if you haven't seen the miniseries, it's gripping. Um, what on earth? I'm sorry if you see that in your dreams tonight. Um, what on earth is going on? on here. Uh, I'm not wrong, am I? Like, that's the sort of stuff that you, like, see, like, in art or, like, in a God, and you're like, I don't want to, I don't want to read the book of Revelation. I don't, don't, don't know about that. This is, that's the sort of stuff that the book of Revelation is known for, isn't it? It says, uh, verse 6, it says, in between, um, it's, Meso is the word right there. In between, meso, the throne and the four living creatures. And among, it's the same word, meso, um, in the middle, um, of the elders, I saw a lamb standing as if it had been slain. It uh, had seven horns and seven eyes. That's, I'm not sure which one's freakier. The way it looks or like where it is. Like based on the wording right here, it can't even decide where it is. It is, um, it's in the middle. It's meso uh, in the middle of the throne. And then it's also simultaneously meso in the middle of the elders is where it, it's, it's worth reminding ourselves as well, just gazing at this lamb for a second. Don't put it up on the screen, please. Um, but in our minds, gazing at this lamb, it's worth remembering, we could say it this way, it's worth remembering that Revelation, it'll be up here in a second, that Revelation runs on Old Testament symbolism. That's the fuel in the engine. That's what's making it go. So although, although good good-hearted people, might actually be like trying to draw um, this, like a literal representation of what's described right here. Those drawings or sketches are like pieces of art. Are they art? Um, renderings. Um, they, it's not meant to be literal here. Literal is not where the meaning lies here. To take the text seriously means that we shouldn't take this text literally. We have to take it seriously, which means engaging the symbolism that it's embodying here. We've all had this experience where the symbolism doesn't, if we try to literally describe it, it doesn't get at it. Like when we were trying to describe that dream that you had like a month ago, where you're trying to explain like what was happening and who you were with. And it was kind of like this. It was kind of like my middle school, but it, it wasn't quite. And I was like walking around and I was like so embarrassed. And I was trying to figure out why. And I, it's because I didn't have any pants on, but nobody seemed to notice that I didn't have pants on and there was like this swing set made of easy cheese in the, in the like the lunchroom and near the end of the and near the end all my teeth were falling out and like as you're describing it you're like that's not a I didn't have that dream um <laughs> that, was, that was supposed to be funny um, as you're describing whatever dream you had it's like um you're realizing like the literal description doesn't capture like what the dream was about 
like what it meant to you, like the meaning of like that you were experiencing during it. And that's especially true the further we go into Revelation. As we're swimming in the deep end, we will drown. You will drown. Your faith will struggle and maybe drown if you're not engaging it on a symbolic level and taking the symbolism of the Old Testament seriously here. When Revelation taps into like an elemental image, like an eyeball or a horn of an animal, it's using like elemental symbols. Like a, you see like a healthy, like stag or, or, or a goat, a he-goat. I think it's what the book of Daniel says at one point. You see like a, a healthy animal and then, and then a horn and you're like, oh man, that's like some strength right there. That's some vitality. Yes, that's what a horn is saying. When you see an eye, it's like perception. It's knowledge. It is alertness. <laughs> that's what, on an elemental level, that's what the symbol's doing. And seven is not about counting, like one eyeball, two eyeball, red eyeball, blue eyeball. No, it's not about that. It's like we're, we're not itemizing how many eyeballs this lamb has. Seven is about perfection. It's about fullness. It's about completeness. John is using a number to tell us the quality of these eyes, not the quantity of these eyes. It's about quality of the eye. Not qua- He's saying that this lamb is perfectly strong. He has seven horns, telling us that he has perfect perception or knowledge. He's got seven eyes. We could say it this way um, if you need something to write down. Revelation uses images and colors and numbers to convey deep meaning, not literal description. The further we go into this, we need to hang on. <laughs> hang on, because that's going to be your harness on the roller coaster. This is, <laughs> it's it's going to get wild. Um, how do we know this for certain? Well, we just read it. It's actually in the verse that we just read, uh, verse 6 of um, John tells us, those seven eyes are God's seven spirits, which are in the earth. Wait a second, John. What are you? Now, are they eyes or are they spirits? Tell me about that. And John would say, yes. Yes. They're the, it's the mysterious way that the divine spirit of God perfectly knows the world. That's what I'm talking about here. And by the way, in this moment, you've actually got, he's actually also echoing Zechariah 4.10 by, by talking about seven eyes and spirits going out into the world. He's using an elemental body part and combining it with a number that describes quality, not quantity. And then he's layering that with other parts of scripture written centuries before him. What I'm trying to say is Revelation is really smart. That's all I'm trying to say. You don't need to become an expert in Revelation, but we do need to come humble before Revelation because this is a really smart book of the Bible. It's artistic. It's sophisticated. There is a breathtaking amount of intentionality that has been packed into the end of verse 6, and it's that way for every single verse. It's a bit like a Christopher Nolan movie, like Inception. I haven't seen Tenet. Nobody ruin it. You will be out, but if it's a bit like a Christopher Nolan movie where the first time you watch it, you're like, oh, that was amazing. I 
I missed 75% of what's going on, but I'm very interested in watching that again and understanding all of the depth and layers and meaning that were packed into every single frame right there. Um, Revelation is smart and artistic and sophisticated, and that means Revelation can be overwhelming, can't it? It's overwhelming. Um, we obviously don't have time in a series like, like this to like camp out in every single detail. Um, but for those of us who might have been terrified by Revelation as, a, as an adult or as a child, uh, for those of you who might have um, been troubled by pictures um, that were just uh, cast up on the, uh, that we made light of, but those of you might have been scared or, or something like that, I just want you to know um, there's a lot going on under the hood. Um, with this engine running, and uh, a lot of people misunderstand it and try to make it flattened out. Hopefully we're not. Hopefully we're doing, um, doing all the hard work today um, in, in this series. Um, and I promise you don't have to look at those pictures again. <laughs> I'm not going to put those back up. Um, what we're wanting to focus in on this morning and the time we have left is just um, a different image, actually, in this chapter. Um, it's, not, um, it's not the lamb we'll come back to in just a minute, but there's another image in this chapter. Um, there's the towering vision of the, the, the throne and someone on the throne, and there's a mysterious someone sitting on it, and in the right hand of this one up on the throne, there is a scroll, is what it says. Way, way up there. I can barely see it. Like, I need some binos to see it. It's way up there. It's uh, a scroll, like this one that I've got right here. I made it this week. Just show and tell. We, 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 sometimes we need to see what's, what's going. It's got writing on the inside and the outside. Uh, it's actually the text of Revelation is what, what I decided to put in here. Um, and it is uh, sealed up tight. There are seven globs of hardened wax sealing this thing up tight. Um, he, it says, verse 2, I saw a powerful angel who proclaimed in a loud voice, who is worthy? Axios is the word right there. Axios. Um, who is worthy to open this scroll and to break its seals? Who is Axios worthy? It's, that's a word um, Axios is a word that's, it's like a precision word is what it really is, that we've said it several times today. Um, it's a word for um, the doctor's office scale is actually what it is. Um, the doctor's office scale, when you climb on and you're like, Ugh, and they put that thing on your head. And the, but then they also, they're like me- taking the weights and they're like moving it. And there's like this bar that keeps bouncing back and forth and they move it to just the right precise place. And then... Ah, oh, it like threads the needle. It stays right. That, that's oxios is what it is. It's a, a merchant word for like scales is what it is. And somebody says, then this angel says, who is oxios? Who is, who would it be fitting? Who would it be right to open this scroll? And the answer that comes in verse three is no one, no one. Heaven's full of really good people, right? <laughs> You'd think you could find somebody, but no, there's nobody. I'm glad you like that, Dina. <laughs> you think, but like nobody can open this scroll. To which all of us are saying, did I miss something? Where did this scroll come from? And what's happening here, right? Every, all of us, if you're reading Revelation, you're like, 
did I miss something? You didn't. This is actually the very first time this scroll shows up, but hang on in the coming weeks because this scroll is going to become very important to the rest of Revelation's story. We can tell, and so the question is like, what is this scroll? What is it? We can tell by John's reaction, it's like a big deal, right? It's like, whatever it is, this isn't junk mail, you know, that you're pulling out and go, ah, forget about it. It's not coupons for Gordman's, you know, or like, or like a flyer from Denny's. It's like, the, the, we know it's important because the angel draws attention to it. He's like, hey, hey, yo, I'm paraphrasing. Who can open this? Who's got the combo to the safe? It's a real precise thing to open this up. It requires precision. Who can do it? And no one anywhere, no one in this epic throne room, no one in heaven or earth or under the earth can open this scroll. It is the locked safe. This is, by the way, um, this moment is a giant clue that um, heaven is not in the future somewhere right here. This is behind the curtain of the present because what does John do? This isn't the place where all tears have been wiped away, is it? No, he's like, he like has a nervous breakdown. He's like, oh my gosh, nobody can open the scroll. This is clue two that it's really important. John's reaction. He's like, nobody, he's freaking out. He's like having a panic attack about this. It's like, get this man like a, he like, he's struggling. Tears are not gone yet here at this point in heaven. Whatever the scroll is based on the attention drawn to it and the reaction about it, this scroll is really important. Um, scholars go back and forth. They argue. They love to. Um, it's important. They should. Um, but they go back and forth about the precise description of this. How can we nuance it properly? But, um, and we don't have time to get into the, I know, you're surprised, but we don't have time this morning to get into like the details of it or um, how the book of Daniel actually helps us get to what I'm about to throw up on the slide. But we could say it this way. This scroll that we see in Revelation 5 is God's plan to save the world. That's what's being talked about right here. That's why it freaks him out. It's like the world needs saving and nobody can figure out how to do it. You know what I mean? This is the scroll that has the answers in it. Which, which answers to which questions? All of them. All of them. Everything that we could add. This, this scroll is like God's how-to manual. How God is going to bring justice in the world. How he's going to judge evil. How he's going to banish. How he's going to right the wrongs that have been done in the world. In Syria. In, in Darfur. In Rwanda. In your life. How's he going to right those wrongs? How's he going to heal those wounds? How's he going to sort out the world? How's he going to rescue people? It's a total mystery. It's a total, like, how on earth could anybody do that? How could anybody right all of these wrongs? How on earth could anybody, with everything going on on planet earth, with all the ways that we are divided against one another, with the ways that we, have you noticed that we're all at each other's throats here in the year 2020? All the ways that we have been wounded by other people and all the ways that, God help me, that I have been the one wounding people. All the way, like, it's like this giant knot 
And it's inconceivably complicated. And I understand how God could just want to like burn down the world, how he could want to just throw the knot in the fire, how he'd want to press the big red button and like wipe the whole mess away. But I don't, I understand why he would want to do that, but I don't understand how he could possibly save the world. How in the world? I'm not saying God doesn't want to. The question is, how's he going to do it? How's he going to like untie the knot? It's so complicated. This is the moment where if we got really real, um, the book of Revelation is actually being profoundly insightful here in this moment. Because this scroll actually, it embodies every single one of our deepest longings. This is what we ache for. It answers questions like, will it always be this way? You may have asked these questions this week. Can these wounds be healed? Is there a future? Is there hope? <laughs> is there hope for any of them? How can God save? These are the kinds of questions that we ask in like our hardest kind of seasons, like when the, when the world stops making sense, like when our bodies start breaking down, when, when our loved ones die. These are the kinds of questions that we're asking when it feels like nothing can be salvaged, like I'm sitting here in the ashes. Things are Hopeless, and we usually find ways to distract ourselves away from these questions. That's the way we operate. That's our MO in our society. Like, we don't want, we don't ask the, we don't think about these questions, if, if at all possible, you know, because there doesn't seem to be anyone or anything that can make sense of the world or make sense of our lives that could answer these questions in any kind of way that doesn't lead to despair. Is who forgot honest. This scroll answers our questions. And if we got really real right now, John is weeping our tears. John's weeping our tears because we don't have the courage to weep them. He's weeping because he is exiled on Patmos on this island that his loved ones are far away and he's quarantined from them and they're in danger and he can't get to them and the world is ruled by a bully over there in Italy called Caesar and no one in heaven, I'm standing in the middle of heaven and no one can open the scroll. How is God going to save the world? The scroll is sealed. Safe is locked. But then something happens in verse 5. The 24 elders say something. It's the the two sets of 12 say something. The the people of God say something. The, The church speaks up, brings good news. That's what the church does. They say, do not weep. Don't weep. There is somebody who can, who can make sense of your life who can make sense of history, of the past, the present, the the future. There is a strong one. Verse 6, there's a lion. There's a lion who has conquered. 
is what he says. He's triumphed. He's victorious. There's a lion who shows us how God will save the world. There's a lion who can open the scroll. And we can almost hear John say, thank goodness. Thank goodness. Thank goodness for a lion. Thank goodness that there's someone strong enough to open the scroll and tell me how God saves the world. And then he looks to see this conqueror. He looks to see this strong one. He looks to see this lion, and he's shocked at what he sees because he doesn't see a lion. He sees a lamb. He's not shocked by the... He's shocked by this lamb, but it's not because of seven horns or seven eyes. It's not that freaky image. that He's shocked because verse six says, I saw a lamb standing as if it had been slain. That's a strange way to phrase it because things don't stand when they're slain. Yet this lamb is. <laughs> it's, it's, been sla- it's been slaughtered. It's been butchered. Sfazo is the word in Greek. It is a violent kind of death word is what it is. It's like a hacking kind of word. And yet, victorious stands this lamb the way that a lion would. He's victorious. He has conquered. He has won. The word there is Nike. <laughs> Nike. Nike. It's, it's, it's weird. It's this lamb who is victorious, and he stands slain. And, and that's why everybody He's victorious, and that's why everybody gives him praise, verse 12. They give him power and wealth and wisdom, honor and glory. That's why the four living creatures and the 24 elders, all of creation, all of God's people, bow down before him. That's why verse 11 and four, through 14, the, the scene just gets stupidly big. It just keeps getting, the, the, the circles just grow. And, millions upon millions. There, there was 20 gajillion angels, you know, all around. And they were all just singing, worthy, worthy you. You are oxios. You are the precise fit. This is the, it's verse two. The question is, is anybody oxios? And then it was, it says verse four, nobody is oxios. And then the celebration begins in verse nine, verse 12, both the songs that they sing, because they say, this one is just the right thing. This It's a strange combination, isn't it? Someone triumphant, someone standing as though slain. But turns out that's just the right strange combination that we need to open the scroll. Bingo. Axios. That's what we needed to open. And we're going to see the scroll opened in the coming chapters of Revelation. But none of us have ever imagined this strange combination, standing as though slain. That's where victory is. That's where victory is. But apparently, apparently, love willing to bleed opens up God's plan to save the world. And that's because we're going to see in the coming weeks that love willing to bleed is God's plan to save the world. We could say it this way. Love is the plan. Love's the plan. That's the plan. 
Most days, I wish it wasn't the plan. Most days, I wish brute force were the plan. Like, especially when I'm parenting my children, I wish that you could just make them do something. But no, like, apparently, in this world, most days, I wish that God would just come and make sense of the world, that he would just do it by brute force, like a lion leaping out of the underbrush. I wish that God would just charge out and use his perfect power, his perfect knowledge, his seven horns and his seven eyes to override humanity, to overpower humanity, circumstances, that thing that I just keep doing in my life, that direction that my children are going, that the way that things are just falling apart with that situation. I wish that God would just come in and overpower everything, arm wrestle everything into compliance, manhandle it. I think most days I really wish that God would just come in quickly from the outside and fix everything, overpower it. But that's not the way that God works, according to Revelation. God is slowly working from the inside, is what Revelation is saying. That's why the lamb seems to freakishly be in two places at once. It's no mistake right there in Revelation. The lamb is in the middle of heaven's throne, may so, and yet he's also in the middle of the elders. He's in the middle of us. He's right there. He's in both places at once because apparently the lamb uses his perfect power and his perfect knowledge to get inside us, inside of circumstances, and to slowly, painfully, patiently, I wish he'd do it quicker, heal and transform and save I have good news for you. That's what he's doing in your life right now. He's on the inside. He's doing that. Every single one of us need to hear that gospel, that good news this morning. God is not detached from you right now in your situation. He's not alone on the throne. He is right in the middle of you and your situation. He is not disinterested. He is not far and some of you need to hear this this morning with whatever's going on, wherever you've been. What, he's not angry at you. God is not angry. God has one eternal disposition towards you, and it is love. It is love forever and always. God has felt, he feels every pain. He knows our every weakness. He has experienced every temptation that we have. In fact, he died in our sins. If you want to hear the gospel this morning, and then Jesus came walking out of the tomb on Easter, and he said, this is the plan. It looks like me and my love entering into all of this darkness. God refuses to burn it down. He refuses to burn you down. He refuses to hit the big red button on your life. 
or anyone else's life, on your ex's life, on your boss's life. He refuses to hit the big red button on the world as a whole. Instead, he says, I am going to plunge into the middle of it all. Meso, into the middle of all the pain, I'm gonna sink into the grossest of injustice. I am going to suffer the deepest of tragedies, and then I'm going to heal it all from the inside, is what the gospel tells us. The God who is love, Hear it this morning, receive it into the depths of your soul. Please, the God who is love is slowly, painfully, patiently. God is patient in the middle of everything happening in your life right now. In your life right now. In the slaughter of 2020. He's in your pain right now. And he's untying the knot, is what he's doing. A lot of our struggles in the life of faith um, come because, in life in general, come because we're looking for a different kind of victory than this. We're, looking, we're watching for a lion and we're refusing to see the lamb, is what we're doing. Where's that lion? Where is he? I've got no time for this over here. We keep wishing that God would press the big red button on 2020, but instead he's on the cross saying, be patient right now. Be, be patient. Stay faithful. I am with you. I'm with you right now, and I am making you like me in all of this. And after all of the slaughter, you are going to stand. God doesn't manhandle the world or arm wrestle our circumstances the way that I wish he would, and that's because he's a good, good father. He's slow, like me with my four-year-old and my three-year-old. I get down and I don't force them in many directions. Sometimes I'll, I discipline them a lot. They're four and three for crying out loud. But, but I can't force them. What I can do is I can get down with them. And people ask me, like, what, what parenting is like, love is the plan. I'm with them. I'm with, and I'm going to be with them for as long as it takes. Love is the plan. This is really comforting the minute that we begin to believe it, and it's really challenging too. Band, you can come on back up. It's really challenging because um, we could say it this way. Only love wins. Only love wins. Winning means loving. Nike means agape. That's what it always looks like. We want to win some other way, but it always looks like loving. Not only do we not want God to be a lion, we want to be lions. We want to conquer like lions, don't we? But the lamb speaks to all of us this morning and challenges us. And it says, if you are not loving, then you are not winning. God, if God doesn't manhandle or strong arm, then neither can we. We've, we've got to love. The only winners are lovers. 
So if you're struggling, some of you are struggling this morning with like a really big decision or you're at like at a crossroads, you're trying to decide like how to handle a particular situation. Maybe you're like in a difficult relationship or something and you're trying to like, or, or, or maybe you've got that person who's got signs out in their front yard next to your house and they want that idiot to be president, whichever one. Um, and, and, they, and, you, and you're trying to figure out like, how do I engage with this person? Let me tell you only love wins. Only love. Winning means loving. The lamb in the middle of heaven tells us if you are not loving, then you are not winning. But you don't understand, Brett. If I don't say something, they'll think that they've won. Well, maybe. Maybe they will. If I show them kindness, if I, if I choose to serve them, if I, if I keep showing them grace again and again, if I don't tear into my situation like a lion and use strength to like rip things apart and to overrule and override and overpower, if I don't break bones and like roar my opinion and let people know that nothing is going to ever change, are you sure? Are you sure? Because there's a lamb in the middle of the throne who says that the path that looks like weakness in your life, like absurdity, it looks like a dead end. It looks like a cross. The lamb says that is the path to victory. So I invite you to stand right now. Some of you need to hear as we're coming to the table. Some of you need to hear Lord Jesus saying that I love you. I love you. Love is my plan and I'm with you. I'm going to bring you home. Some of you need to hear that. Others of us need to be challenged to embody the life of the lamb. You need to hear the lamb saying only love wins. You want to win, then you need to love. Jesus, We invite you to fill us with your life. Fill us with the knowledge of your goodness. Make us lovers as you are our great lover. O Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.